you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. If you would please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, we've studied down through verse 27. Jesus calmed the storm, and those who were in the boat marveled in verse 27, saying, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Jesus is revealing himself, he's revealing his nature, his authority, his power, And we see that continuing now, beginning in verse 28. This is God's word. When he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, If you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off went into the town and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Jesus went over to shall we say, the wrong part of town. Jesus went to a place where good Jewish people were not inclined to be. Jesus went to a place where they were raising pigs, if you were Jewish, prior to the time of Christ and in the time of Christ, You just didn't do that. That was not okay. You didn't want anything to do with pigs. When Jesus tells the story about the prodigal son, the epitome of disgrace and despair was that his job was taking care of pigs. I mean, that was just as low as you could go. So Jesus goes to a place where there's pig farming on a large scale that is the heart of the town's economy, and... When he comes ashore, a couple of guys, Mark and Luke only record one of them, but Matthew tells us there were actually two, a couple of guys who were 
totally controlled by demonic forces, came out and were yelling at Jesus. If you read Mark and you read Luke and you read this, there's no contradiction. Mark and Luke just give more detail. They give a longer version of this story, zeroing in on one of the men. But in all three, what is clear is that this involved demon possession, and they knew, those demons knew who Jesus is. Now, these two demoniacs had never met Jesus, but the demons knew exactly who he is. He's the Son of God. Not only that, they knew what awaited them. They're going to be destroyed. And what they're saying is, hey, did you come here to destroy us early? I mean, we're supposed to still have some time. I know that our time is limited. I know that we're headed for destruction. But we weren't expecting you to come and destroy us right now. What's the story here? And they ask Jesus to allow them if, if you're going to cast us out of these men, let us go into the herd of pigs. Now, this is not a Marvel comic. This is history. This is what really happened. Not make-believe. And there are some things about this that we need to recognize if we're going to have a realistic perspective about what's happening in our world today. Years ago, I had just driven back into my hometown of Montreat, North Carolina, having gone to pick up a couple of friends in another part of Western Carolina. And when I got back into town, we went up near the college campus um, where the conference center is also, and Lake Susan is, I could hear these screams like I've never heard before. I mean awful, gut-wrenching screams that went on and on. And I said to the folks who were with me, that's a demoniac. Now, how did I know that? Well, it's the screams, that's a giveaway. No, it was called discernment of spirits, all right? That's one of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit spoken of in 1 Corinthians. And the Holy Spirit impressed on me, that's, that's the cry of a demoniac. It wasn't somebody who just had a limb severed or seen someone else have a limb severed. And so I said, you guys stay here. I'm going to go see if I can help. On the other side of the lake, a, a boy who was early teens uh, was lying on the ground, writhing, thrashing about, and he was the one who was screaming. His mother and two men were trying to hold him still. The idea was to keep him from injuring himself. The woman was trying to hold the boy's feet, and she was getting kicked like crazy by this boy. I mean, just, she couldn't hold him still. And the two men were trying to hold down his, his shoulders and, and torso, and... Uh, I thought, I can't just stand here and let her get kicked like that. So I went up and I said, here, let me do that. And uh, now the three of us 
are um, trying to hold this guy down. And he wasn't real big, okay? But he had extraordinary strength, or an extraordinary strength had him. They're praying over him, I'm praying over him, and the thought occurred to me, if the chief of police, whom I know well, if Pete Post were to come driving by in the cruiser and see what's going on, because he's looking to see what the screaming is, we're going to have to explain to him that this boy is under the influence of demonic forces, and there is no place on the form that he has on his clipboard in his car to record that. You understand? You can do drug overdose, you can do uh, resisting arrest, you can, I mean, but, but what's going on here? Is this a psychiatric problem? Um, it, you know, what's, what's happening? Why is he doing this and why does he have this extraordinary power so that three men can't hold him down? I was in college at that point. Well, Pete didn't come. But it occurred to me that in our culture, when things like that happen, we don't have any place on our form for that. Okay? Demons. Okay? That's uh, item number nine. We can put that. No, we don't, we don't have that. We give people like that massive doses of meds. We put them in straitjackets. We put them in institutions. We, we try and get them away from us. But what about this guy? Well, here are two guys who for years had been unrestrainable. Mark tells us that many times chains were used to restrain their behavior. If you do not have internal restraint, society will impose on you external restraint. Okay? And whatever restraint was used on them, they broke it. Wow, I'd like to have that kind of strength. Wouldn't it be great to be the Incredible Hulk? No, not really. Because you see, these guys didn't have that power. That power had these guys. And that power was in the process of destroying them. It had already destroyed their reputation. It had already destroyed their relationships. Now they're living among the tombs. They're in the place of the dead. Mark tells us they were self-harming, cutting themselves. Where does that impulse come from? Why do people do things that are harmful to themselves? Well, yeah, I've, 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 known, I've known people like that who cut themselves. Know anybody who overeats? Know anybody who starves themselves? Where does the impulse for self-harm come from? Why do people say and do things that are guaranteed to just blow up their life? For that matter, why do they engage in sexual immorality? Sexually transmitted diseases according to the CDC, not just according to some Baptist preacher are an epidemic in our culture. Because people are doing things that God says are destructive. Sin leads to death. It's destructive. It's self-destructive. 
We don't just harm others when we sin. We're harming ourselves. And we're not just harming ourselves. We're harming others. When the demons were cast out of these men, they went into the herd of pigs, and the pigs lived happily ever after. No. What they were working on in that man, they accomplished in the pigs, and that was to bring about death. Jesus said that Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he's up to. He's not your friend. He says, oh, trust me, eat the fruit of that tree and you'll be wise. You'll be like God. You don't have to do what you're told. You can be your own boss, have it your way, do your own thing. Why should you have to do what others say? Rebel against authority. What are demons? They're fallen angels who participated with Lucifer in his rebellion against God, and they were cast out of heaven. And now on earth they seek to incite rebellion and sin. And the fact of the matter is they're looking to destroy you. Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So do I need to be nervous? No, you need to be obedient to God. You need to be obedient to God. The demons were cast out of this pair by Jesus. And they, if you read Luke and Mark, they were then able to be clothed and in their right mind. But guess what? The townspeople, not so much. The folks in town heard about what had happened, and they came and they said, oh, thank you so much. We couldn't help these men. Their problems were beyond our therapeutic capacity. Remember what it says in verse 28? Those men were so violent that no one could pass that way. Jesus went into the place where no one else could go. And when he went in there, he was in charge. And the demons were afraid of him. And Jesus delivered those two men from their bondage to evil, and the evil spirits were allowed to go into the pigs where they manifested what evil actually is all about. And the pigs committed suicide. They rushed down the hill and into the lake where they were drowned. Hmm. So the townspeople said, what? Thank you, Jesus, you've cleaned up the neighborhood. This is wonderful. I'm sorry, we shouldn't have been raising pigs anyway. No, they were concerned because they just had a huge financial loss and they were scared of Jesus. But what they said to him is an indication that they were under the same evil influence as the demoniacs who displayed it in a more dramatic fashion. They said, please leave our region. That is essentially what the demoniacs were asking for. Don't send us out of here. This is our territory. When Paul describes 
the way that the forces of darkness are organized in Ephesians chapter 6. He talks about principalities and powers and the rulers of the darkness of this present age and spiritual wickedness in high places. When the book of Daniel talks about the spiritual warfare that's going on in the realm we don't see, the angel tells him that there was a fight with the prince of Persia. You talking about some guy with a turban? No, we're talking about the spiritual forces that are at work in different places. There really are territorial spirits. There really are forces that are focused in an area, and that's one reason why when missions is going forward, we go into an area and we pray. It's possible to bind evil forces if you're walking in obedience to God and in the authority of his word. I have, over the years, seen the Lord reveal things about certain areas, not just about individuals. There are communities that are in bondage, strange phenomena. And part of discernment of spirits, when God manifests that in someone, is not just recognizing that there's an evil spirit there, but what that spirit is. God will show us as much as we need to know. And we don't need to know everything because we couldn't contain it all. But God knows it all. And when these folks said, please, please leave our region, Jesus didn't say, no, I'm here now, this is it. Instead, Jesus left. He got in a boat and crossed the lake back over to the other side. I want you to understand that there really are evil forces. And that's not something you have to worry about while I'm walking down the street and all of a sudden a demon jumped inside me. That's not the way it works. The way that you come under the control of demonic forces is through sin, yielding yourself to those evil forces. One of the ways in which people sin against God is through involvement with occult practices. Years ago in Montreat, when I was a teenager, I was out trying to share the gospel with some of the folks who'd come for the conference. A bunch of teenagers are sitting in a circle on a sidewalk, just talking. And I walked up and interrupted by saying, um, can I ask you a question? And they said, yes. And I said, is Jesus Christ the boss of your life? I'd found if you asked people if they were Christian, so many people in the South thought the answer was yes, when it wasn't. I wanted to know if they really had come to the point of yielding their lives to Christ. And so I said, is Jesus Christ the boss of your life? Well, they thought that was a pretty hilarious question. But one young lady got up and she followed me and she said, can, can we talk? Well, we talked and it was clear that Jesus was not 
the boss of her life. She believed in Jesus. In fact, she was a pastor's daughter. But even though she believed in Jesus, she knew that when it came to day, to day, to day, to day, Jesus was not the boss of her life. And so after I shared the gospel with her, talked about his death on the cross and his rising from the tomb, the fact that he's alive right now and that you need to yield your life to him, she said, I want to do that, but something inside me is holding me back. Well, the minute she said that, it was like, you know what that is, right, Jim? Yeah, I knew what that was. She was in bondage to an evil spirit that did not want to give up control. She wasn't acting like these guys who lived among the tombs. She looked nice. She was attractive. She hung out with her friends. But when it came to really surrendering her life to Jesus. She was not willing to do that. She wanted to, but something inside, she said, as I told you, was holding her back. And I said, okay, I said, I want to pray for you. And so I prayed, and the Lord showed me where she got into this bondage. I said, you're into astrology, aren't you? And she said, because this is the way people talked back then. She said, oh yeah, man, really heavy. And I said, well, that's how you've gotten into bondage to this demonic spirit. And she said, oh no, I don't even believe in demons. My father, the Presbyterian minister, my father told me they're not real. And I said, well, your ignorance has not protected you. You're from Florida, right? Yes. If a person who'd never been to Florida went to Florida and wanted to go swimming, and they didn't know about alligators, and they didn't believe in alligators, but they went into a pond that had a bunch of alligators in it, would their not believing in alligators protect them from the alligators? And she said, no, it would not. And I said, well, you're not believing in demons has not protected you from demons. And there is an evil spirit that has been controlling your life. And you need to surrender your life to Jesus. But that spirit doesn't want you to. And so I bound that spirit. And I cast it out, by the way. And that gal prayed to receive Jesus. And her life was changed. Now, why am I telling you all these stories? Because I want you to understand when we read this, this is not make-believe. I already said it, but I want you to understand this is history. This is real. Demons are real. And they haven't changed what they're up to. They want to destroy you. But it's not just folks who are screaming their lungs out or breaking chains or other things like that or cutting themselves who are doing what demons suggest to them. It's not just them. It's also the townspeople who come out and they say to Jesus, please leave our region. You see, ultimately, the demons know that they're going to be destroyed. They want to take people with them. They want to destroy as many lives as possible. And I don't want you 
to be destroyed. I want you to have new life in Christ. I want you to have freedom to do His will. That freedom comes when we surrender to Him and say, Lord, please set me free from every evil force. I want to serve you. Jesus is still alive and he's offering you real life, abundant life, freedom in Christ. Please don't send him away. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.